1 Kings 17. I want to say a great big thank you to uh, all of those who have worked so hard. Again, I echo Brother Gallion. Thank you to those who have worked so hard to make the graduation happen. The banquet, those that have been working so hard in the office and all around the church. The carpet doesn't just magically end up swept. Bathrooms don't just magically end up clean. I honor all those who work so hard. Elijah is who we're reading about here in verse 1 of chapter 17. Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, he said unto Ahab, that old wicked king, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. He said, it's not raining again until I say it. It's a rough meeting. That's a rough meeting. Elijah to walk up as a prophet of God. And here Ahab has recruited all these prophets of Baal. Jezebel's just enticing him in this. And he said, no more rain. And the truth is, when he said no more rain, it also meant no more food. Because they needed rain to have food. Turn to a couple people around you and tell them that's a tough word to get. One chapter exactly later, chapter 18. We got a grave drought that takes place for a series of time, a great period of time. Chapter 18, first verse. It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab. And I will send rain upon the earth. So we've been in a drought. We've got a word that rain is coming. And then jump over to verse 41. Verse 41 of chapter 18. Oh, I love hearing those pages turn. And Elijah said unto Ahab, You better get up, buddy. Eat. Drink. For there is a sound of abundance of rain. I want to preach this morning about the space between. The space between. That's, That's what I feel is my assignment for today. I want you to lift your hands towards heaven. You have worshiped so Just powerfully. Would you lift your voice one more time before you're seated? And would you thunder before the Lord? Asking the Holy Ghost to help us here. Come on, really lift your voice. I'm going to set the mic down. I want you to pray. Would you do that right now? Pray over this message that someone would find strength and deliverance in the...
You may be seated. Ahab was married to a witch. Well, that's one way to come out of the gate, Pastor. That's, that's. <laughs> he was. <laughs> he was married to a witch. She was vile. She was nasty. She was wicked. She was no cartoon character. She was not make-believe. She was the devil in flesh. She was a problem. And guys, being married to her is a problem. Well, it's awful quiet for some, for some reason. I have been outnumbered before. I'm going to say this. I, Elijah is about to find himself absolutely outnumbered. He was already outnumbered. But it is not really visible until in the middle of this. Now, I will tell you the prophecy of rain stopping, Brother Caleb. That's pretty powerful. It's not raining anymore. It's one thing for a person to say it. It's another thing if that happens. Brother Perry, could you handle that kind of power? <laughs> I was outnumbered one time. I'm talking to my friend here for a second. I was, just a, I was just a young guy. I had a brother older than me, six years older. Johnny's big dude. Always been bigger than me. Always got better stuff than me. Always had a bigger room. Sorry, I got caught up in that. Uh, but I had this, there was this neighborhood, I, I, we were playing a little basketball game, kind of a pickup game. I was at Matt's house, and, and my other buddy Ricky, he was there, and, and we, got to, we got to playing ball and kind of hanging out. And then this, this dude from next door, Matt, this other Matt, not my Matt, not my buddy Matt, the other Matt, you know the other Matt, you know the Matt you don't like, came out. I don't even know how it happened. I probably said something smart. I don't know. I mean, but I know that Matt got to picking on us. And I thought to myself, about three doors, three doors away, I got a big brother. And he will turn Matt into a part of the soil. And so I, I took off walking across the, in between the houses and through the lawn cut across like I do. And I, I went over and the, slung the screen door open and, and I screamed with all the manliness I could, Johnny! <laughs> he came out, what? Mine's picking on us. Without even missing a beat, he just came right behind me. So let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I'm just kind of strutting back towards Matt house. We get we cut back through the same deal through there's I see my buddy Matt, I see Ricky there, and I see Matt. He's about two feet taller than me, blonde hair, and my brother's about to give him the WWF. You know what I'm talking about. He's about to give him the But we get we get maybe, maybe from here to, to the railing over there. Maybe, maybe about that far. About 20 yards, 22 yards. Something like that. We get about right here. 
And I'm thinking in my mind how this is going to go down. My brother's about to send this guy into orbit. When at that time, Brother Brown, from behind me, my brother on cue goes, Matt, I hear you've been picking on my brother. I thought, oh, let's go. Let's go. It's getting good already. I was not ready for the next words. When he said, I don't know why, he can probably whip you anyway. That's not in the script anywhere. That's not, that's not in the anywhere. I remember thinking to myself, you've went off script. Then my brother grabbed me and turned me around and said, you can whip him, can't you? Brother Gallion, I don't know what happened. About two or three lines into it, I thought, I think I can. I think I can. I could not. I took off after him. It, it was not a long fight. I don't remember much other than within about 10 seconds. Somehow his knees were on my arms. I was looking up waiting on the punch of death. When out of nowhere, I remember my big brother reaching down. I don't know how it happened. It was like an action film. I remember seeing that big old boy's eyes get about this big. When my brother with one hand reached down and pulled him up off of me. His eyes got real big. I watched Matt run in the house when my brother got involved. I was thinking to myself, that's how we should have started this thing. But my brother taught me something that day that I've never forget, forgot since. And it's a lot like God. He taught me, I'll fight for you as long as you're willing to fight for yourself. And I come to preach to somebody here today. He is going to fight for us, but he wants to know if we're willing to fight for ourselves a little bit. Come on, he will save your family, but you got to fight for your family too. He will help you reach your neighborhood, but he's not going to do it without you. You got to get in the middle of it too. I got to do more than put praise in the CD player. And expect something to happen. When I put them in and they begin to sing, I ought to hit my knees and say, I believe in the power of God. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that he is fighting my battles. And I do believe that it's more than lyrics to a song. If I begin to call on the name of Jesus, there is no devil too big. There is no sickness too great. There is no circumstance too overwhelming. Let me prove it to you. Babe, did you send it to me? Let me read you a text we got. She didn't know I was going to read it in the middle of my message. But from Julie Koppel in church, we got this text just now. Praise report. The doctor said the bump on my forehead is noticeably smaller already than it was on Friday when admitted. I've been laying my prayer cloth right on my forehead while praying at night and prayer is working. Somehow I'm feeling great. There are no side effects. 
You call that whatever you want to. I'm going to tell you, it's the power of the name. It's the power of the name. It's the power of the name. And yeah, I know that he'll fight for me, but I want him to know that I'm going to fight too. I don't plan on you doing it all without me. Brother Mathis, we're going to get in this together and say, if God be for us, who can be against us? I know there's 1.8 million out there, but if God be for us, I know there's all kinds of idolatry, but if God be for us, I know there's paganism incarnate, but if God be for us, Brother Jason, we can reach them in the name of the Lord. If God be for us. You got to give your neighbor a little chicken elbow and tell them that's preaching. I didn't say it's good, but it is true. Now, maybe you can digest this easier. She was a witch. Jezebel was a mess. And she convinced Ahab that the prophets of God ought to die. And the prophets of Baal ought to be exalted. Brother Ross, what we're fighting is nothing new. This spiritual attack we're dealing with, it's not new. You know what Baal really was all about? It was the exalting of the societal opinion. What had become culturally relevant and acceptable. Some say he was the God of rain. Some say he was the God of fire. I say he wasn't God at all. But they were given to culture and given to society. And Elijah, while a hundred prophets are there in a cave, Elijah walked up and said, it's done raining. You're brazen, Elijah. You got some backbone about you. That's a lot bigger than being convinced you could whip mine. Woke up to Ahab, the same king that is giving condemnation against all the prophets of God and say, it's done rain. Hmm. And if we're not careful, we're nervous to witness to people we know are even believers. I think he wants us to be bold. There's a difference between confidence and ignorance and sometimes it's a thin line. I don't think we ought to be ignorant, but I do think that we ought to be confident in who we are and what He's called us to do. And we go through a season of drought. We got Elijah living by a brook, and I don't have time to thoroughly flesh the narrative as much as I'd like to. He's living by a brook. He's getting food from ravens. You're you're on pretty much the top shelf with God when birds are bringing you food. Elijah, where do you want to go today? Oh, we don't have to go anywhere. What are we going to eat? Just give me time. Here they come. I don't know if you want to eat after a raven. But I found starving people don't, well. When you get hungry enough, you don't care. I watch some people worship that they're so hungry for a touch of God, they don't care who judges them. They are so hungry and so thirsty. 
Elijah's dipping in and drinking out of the brook. Where's the water source? The source is from God. It'll be all right. Until the brook dries up. He walks into a widow's house. It's one of the most pitiful stories in scripture. Widow is about to die. Elijah shows up and asks for a cake to be made. Hun, I'm going to need you to make me something. The response is overwhelming. There is no good modern day minister that's going to say to her what Elijah said. She looked back and said, all I have left is enough to make for me and my son to die. Elijah said, well, make me one anyway. You might not have heard me. I heard you. You just can't hear him. She said, she said, this is it. This is all we got. But because she honored and trusted the man of God. You know, one of the greatest attacks of our world has been the attack against faith in the man of God. It is. This is not new. Billy Cole was preaching that 30, 40 years ago. But it's got even worse in society. And there's been plenty of people that have made public failures that didn't help it. But people were still failing before there was social media for everyone to know. She makes it and somehow the meal just keeps there. The amazing thing is, when the mama was willing to serve the man of God that way, when the mama was willing to do it, it wasn't just her, but it was the son who watched the miracle. Because when as a parent you choose to trust the man of God and trust in the miraculous, it's not just you who's affected, but your entire family. It was down to her and her son. She's a widow, but when it affected her, it affected him. And it was shaping Parents, it ought to be said about us that it shapes our children the way that we trust in the things of God. We watch it play on. We watch things kind of come to a head. I would say they come to a head. You've got the, you've got the grove uh, prophets. You've got Ahab and, and, and you've got uh, Elijah in this confrontational instance. I, 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 don't know, I don't know how it looks exactly. I've tried to look at this from a lot of angles. I've tried to picture how it plays out and how it looks. This old prophet, and I kind of see him in his room. You know, I've been to too many Sunday school classes. So I've, I've kind of given Elijah this look. This long, gray, flowing hair, right? This like animated, walking up, the staff type deal. The audacity. You know, it's really, it seems like audacity when he says, why don't we turn this into a competition? A competition. How many guys in here you know? You know what? Women too. Because I don't want to exclude you, God forbid. How many of you here, you just know you're competitive? Come on, you lie, you fry. Raise your hand real proud if you know. Real. You know you're competitive. How many of you know that if you play Scrabble with your family, it's a problem? You know, thank you, Brother Matthews, for your honesty. Play Monopoly at your house. Ever been playing a board game and find somebody cheating? You ever got into it with your wife over Scrabble? Early in our marriage... 
here we go. I feel like talking about it right now. I just feel a little something. <laughs> How many points were you winning by when you played that word? Oh, stop. 110 from one word. She was already beating me. Pretty bad. We, I, I was probably 21. 21 years old. Young, married, competitive. Wanted to win. She's a little competitive too. And she was smoking me in Scrabble. I mean smoking me. If you've ever played Scrabble with somebody... That they have, you know, they've been waiting on the queue. And, oh, I got some of you now. Some of you are like, what is Scrabble? <laughs> Scrabble's a game where you build words and you get points based on that, okay? It's like words with friends, but it's actual, physical. But Was it a double word or triple word? What was it? Mm, I knew you'd remember. I, it's repressed for me. <laughs> she pulled that little mouse down. Triple. Sister Gallion, it was a triple word. She waited on the cue. She was already beating me by hundreds. And she didn't, she didn't just put the word down. You know, when you got a word that you're about to play like that, she did this. Real slow like. Sister Gail, every letter was an eternity. Finally laid it down. That's 110 points. 21 years old, God forgive me. I've already repented. But I put my finger under the edge of that board. And I went. <laughs> and I walked away. She won, but I won too. <laughs> Actually, I lost. I think I had hot dogs that night. Competitive, man. Elijah walks up. Now, I know, Brother Caleb, y'all ain't ever had nothing like that. Don't play Scrabble if you're competitive. Here's what's going to happen. Let's just, have a, let's just have a showdown. You bring your prophets, and I'll be there. And the answer was amazing. Because the answer would be the God who answers by fire. He'll be God. Imagine saying that to a prophet of Baal. And I'm going to tell you something. These men, I know they were wrong, but they were sincere. Because you can be sincerely fooled. We've got to be very careful how we judge people that have been sincerely fooled into believing wrong. Brother Sleva, sometimes if we're not careful, we go at them with pretense thinking that they are intentionally being that. They are not intentionally being false. They have been raised and fooled. They said on Sunday school rooms where Baal was on the flannel board. They, they... And that false doctrine that had been so enrooted into them, they walk up, there's 400 prophets of the groves, 450 prophets of Baal, and you've got one prophet of God, Elijah. How many feel like that's outnumbered? That's outnumbered. Next time you feel like you're the only one on your job site, remember, you're not the first one that's been outnumbered. Okay? 
Take a walk through these scriptures. Every time that they seem outnumbered, you've got to remember, you might feel outmatched, but you've never been outnumbered. Because He is on your side. He went with nothing but a word from God. Now, I will admit to you, Brother Turner, I like how Elijah kind of gets in the middle of this. I know it might not be right. But these guys build their altar. They lay their bullock upon it. They go to praying. And nothing's happened. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. I mean they're praying y'all. They are seeking God and nothing. Verse 22 says he mocked them. I don't know how. I, you know. I don't know that that was the spiritual side of him. I know he was a spiritual God, God, but I don't know that God was really saying, you ought to mock him. I think he just gives us some scriptures to help us out that we're normal. Because you might have mocked him too. 850 guys staring you down, intimidating you, trying to make you feel worthless. You're one guy to 850. You got 100 prophets that were cowered in a cave. You have been pushed to the outside, and now they've called on their God all day. And Elijah's sitting over there, and I don't know, I would have loved to have heard it. When out of nowhere he goes, maybe you should cry louder. I don't know what part of me likes it. I'm just trying to confess. Cry louder. Maybe. Maybe he's talking. Maybe, you read it, verse 27. Maybe uh, he's pursuing. Maybe he's on a journey. Don't you hear it? It's kind of condescending. Don't you hear him? And then he goes, Maybe he's sleeping. And they're just beside themselves. They cried aloud. And here's how I know it was honest. They went to cutting themselves. That's where I know it came demonic. Fooled into believing that self-mutilation would bring victory. They're pouring their own blood on an altar. They're screaming to a God that will not respond. But ladies and gentlemen, hear me. The saddest part of the story is they're screaming to a God that will not respond that they had been promised their whole life would. They have served Him so unconditionally the entirety of their life that they're willing to lay themselves. The Bible says that they leapt upon the altar. They were jumping up and down. They were cutting themselves with stone. They were screaming. And nothing was happening. Aren't you glad? That you know a God. Oh, I feel a little something in this house right now. Aren't you glad that you know a God that you can look back to time after time after time? He touched me. He, He healed me. 
He delivered me. Brother Gallion, didn't know what I was preaching about today, but you asked him earlier, somebody, if you know that he's touching or you believe or you know there's been a witness in you. And then we laid hands on one another because we know he's real. Then, in his audacity, you know the story. You know what he does. He, he pulls all that mess of an altar apart and he starts with a fresh altar because before fire falls, a fresh altar gets built. Builds a fresh altar. Here's a fresh bullock. I thought about that wasted bullock that was sitting over there of the blood of itself mixed with the blood of those prophets and it's laying there and there's nothing happened and a, and a useless oh man, a useless altar and a useless sacrifice. It's always a useless sacrifice if God's not at the center of it. He builds this new altar. He takes those 12 stones and we see the history that's tied up. And he takes that bullock and he puts it there. And, but then, here it is. Why don't we dig a trench? You know, Elijah, let well enough be well enough. Let's dig a trench about it. And so you see him digging that trench. Putting it all the way around and then he calls for four barrels of water. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You remember the story? Four barrels of water. How many of you remember this from Sunday school class? Wave at me if you remember four barrels of water. The thing they forgot to tell me about when I was in Sunday school is where do you get four barrels of water in a multi-year drought? And who wastes water in a drought anyway? But the problem is it only depends on what you call waste. Bring four barrels of water. Oh, I cannot imagine the audacity and pouring the water on it. What kind of an ig? You're going to pour water on it when you're praying for fire? Two more times, we get 12, 12 barrels full of water until the trench is filled up. It's like a little moat for the altar. What did Elijah do? Turn in your Bible. 1 Kings chapter 18. It came to pass, verse 36 says, chapter 18, verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the evening sacrifice, the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came nearer and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things here it is at thy word let it be known that this was never about me hear me O Lord hear me that this people may know let them know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. That's it? That's all you're going to pray? His prayer was real simple. Let them know it's your word. And let them know you're God. Let them know that this is your word. And let them know that you're God. You want to know my prayer for Indianapolis right now? Let them know this is your word and let them know that you are God. You want to know my prayer for your neighborhood and your family? Let them know that this is your word 
and let them know that you're God. I'm going to pray it one more time. Let them know that this is your word and let them know. Why, 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 what do you mean? Why, well, maybe we need something else. Maybe, no, 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 no. At that moment, the Bible says that fire fell from heaven. And it consumed it. Then the fire of the Lord, it consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones. And it licked up the water. In the middle of a drought. God said, as thirsty as you've been for water, I've been that thirsty for acknowledgement. As thirsty as you've been and as hungry as you've been, I've been waiting on somebody, even if it's only one, in the middle of a compromising nation to remind me that there's only one Lord and I need everybody to... I don't need some big powerful prayer. I just need one believer that feels outnumbered and seems out... I'm preaching to somebody right now and I'm telling you that you are not alone. God is on your side and if you'll have the boldness to square your shoulders, if you'll have the boldness to call, the fire fell. Now I will admit to you, that would help. If we were doing evangelism, somebody said, I don't know if he's God. And I was able to say, hold on. Now, God, I'd like him to know um, if you could do that fire thing. I don't know. Use that bush over there. Nobody even likes that bush. Use that bush. We don't even, I was going to pull that bush anyway, so... Oh, that, that don't, but that ain't what we pray. But I got good news for you. The fire does still fall. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues. Like as a fire. It sat on each of them. Everybody got it. You know, everybody in this building, when the fire fell in, in 1 Kings 18, the whole sacrifice went up. Stones weren't left. Nothing. Dust got consumed. And in the New Testament fire, stony hearts get consumed. And the dust you were formed out of gets taken over. I gotta, I'm, on, I'm just going to admit something to you right now. I believe that people are supposed to get the Holy Ghost every time we come together. 
Otherwise, what are we building this altar for? What are we doing this for? You say, well, I got the Holy Ghost 25 years ago. Guess what? You ought to get it again today. I know it's been a while. Can I tell you one of my favorite things and yet one of the hardest things as pastor is every now and then when I watch people worshiping in a service and I know what they're dealing with in their family and I know what they're actually going through. I know the behind the scenes of what their kids are having going. Well, I know the behind and then every now and then I watch them. I even looked around this room today. I can't help but cry and I feel like a big crybaby. But I watch mamas worshiping and I watch daddies lifting their hands and praising. You know what they're doing? They're laying an altar before God and they're saying send the fire one more time send the holy ghost fire send the holy ghost fire send the holy ghost send the holy ghost fire send the, and that's my prayer it's the reason i want you to hear me it's the reason we're having a revival in only a week or so because i'm saying god if you could take an altar in first kings 18 and you can send the fire i need you to send the holy ghost on the city of indianapolis I need him to send it on me. I wish you'd get that kind of mentality. If nobody else is going to get it, I'm going to get it. If nobody else wants it, I'm going to. There's going to be a drought. There's going to be rain. There's going to be drought. There's going to be rain. You know what the space in between is? The space in between is when you stand up for what's right. And I'm trying to be calm. And I'm trying to be casual. But as you can tell already, I'm a little bit passionate about this. And I feel like there is just no time to waste. And there is just no days to lose. And there are no services to take a step back. There is no inch to give to the devil. And so I feel like Elijah in the middle of it, standing on Carmel, telling the enemy, let's do this. Let's go. I am tired of you telling our city that we cannot have revival. You want to know? Come on, I'm going to tell you. You know what some people told me? Some people told me Calvary doesn't probably even want the kind of revival you want. I told them the same thing I preached to you three weeks ago. The devil is a liar and I don't receive it and I don't believe it. We are going to have revival. I wish you'd proclaim that with me right now. We are going to have revival. We are going to see the waters of baptism. I told them, turn the baptismal on on Saturday. Let's have the water warm and ready. Let's make sure that we're prepared. I want to be prepared for what he's sending. I want him to be able to trust us with what he's sending. Stand with me all over the house and throw your hands towards heaven. It's the will of God that every person in this house repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And it is the will of God that every person be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking with other tongues.
If we're not careful, we throw it around this line too casually. The Holy Ghost and fire. Please hear me. The fire is the purification process. Acts 2, like as of fire. Setting in your life. And in a moment, everything that used to be. I don't know why it's not the same for everyone. Why some battle addictions longer than others. Why some, I don't know, I don't know. But I do know that there is not enough power in you without the Holy Ghost. And if you're here today, whether you're a seasoned saint and you haven't had the breakthrough in a while, or whether you're a brand new member, I want to encourage every person in this room. We're about to go to prayer. They're going to sing. It's going to be a comfortable setting for you. But I want to encourage every person in this house to begin to pray until you have a breakthrough in God. Pray until you speak with other tongues again. A language you've never cussed in. A language you never talked back in. I need the fire to fall in my life. I've had a drought. I'm ready for it to rain again, but right now I've been living in the space between. And I've got to confront this. Throw your hands towards heaven. I think, I think just good old repentance for most of us ought to happen across this room right now. We do believe in the process of coming to an altar here for those that are comfortable that want to walk to the front. This is of your own accord, but it's amazing what happens sometimes when someone's willing to come and walk to the front. Nobody's going to ambush you. Nobody's. But if you're comfortable and want to come to the front and just lift your hands and begin to repent, I would to God that someone would come to this altar, repent and be filled with His Spirit. If you come to the altar, they'll press all the way in because there's a lot of people trying to come now. Press all the way. Press all the way.